Hey everyone, I'm AJ Fry, and this is Mistakes Were Made, the podcast about the mistakes that we've made and maybe what we can learn from them. Though, to be quite honest, this is the 10th episode, and I'm not sure that I have ever asked any of my guests what they might have learned from their mistakes or revealed what I have learned from any of my many mistakes. Perhaps I've been doing this thing uh, wrong the entire time. Of course, you can only get better by doing things and by correcting your mistakes as you go. Uh, I have a very fitting guest for this 10th episode as she recently celebrated her 10-year milestone of being the executive director of HalCon, my favorite fandom convention in Canada. We recorded our chat in front of a live audience at HalCon 2019 just a few weeks ago in late October. And we did so um, using this little podcast recorder mixer thing that I was rather unfamiliar with. And at certain points, my guest and I were recorded a little too loud. And I've done my best to balance things so you don't need to worry about your eardrums. But you should expect that in a few places, things may sound a little funny. Okay, a little message just prompt up on my phone, which I'm using as a prompter. So I missed what words and it's Oh, God, how do I correct this? I'll be back after the interview to correct any mistakes made on stage, and I'll have a tease for the next episode of Mistakes Were Made. It's Mistakes Were Made. When mistakes happen, I leave them in. Here's the interview with Jen Lamb. Even a mistake may turn out to be the one thing necessary to a worthwhile achievement. You know who said that? Henry Ford. Mm, mm. This is Mistakes Were Made. I'm AJ Fry, and my guest is the mastermind behind my favorite convention and annual event, HalCon. Her name is Jennifer Lamb. Give it up! I know that guy. So I'm just going to ask you the question, and you can interpret it however you'd like, and then I'll ask it again, and you can interpret it the other way. Why did you decide to do this? Um, I was told about Halcon from a friend of a friend and thought if I volunteered, I could get a free t-shirt and some admission. <laughs> Legit, that's how I joined. You didn't have the aspiration to be no. the mastermind? Not even a little. <laughs> I thought it would be really neat to see behind the scenes at a big event because I like puzzles and how they work and how pieces fit together. And I thought, well, I've never seen anything like this behind the scenes. So maybe if I volunteer, I could learn something. Maybe I can offer something if I know something and I'll get free admission and a t-shirt at the end and some, maybe some cool stories. And here you are now 10 years later. Yeah. <laughs> staying on, staying on top of it, growing this. We're in the basement of a huge convention center. <laughs> You've had very little sleep these past few nights. That is true. <laughs> I got four hours last night. Okay, well, then that brings me to my next question. Why did you decide to do this? Because you asked me, and I'm really sucker for nice people. Aww. <laughs> that is that is often the response that I get from the wonderful people that I invite on the podcast. Your wife's here. I can't say anything cuter than that. Aww. <laughs> oh. <ew>. Uh, <laughs> So uh, you had me out doing the uh, the opening ceremony today. Ten years. Um, what is your biggest, like, proudest thing about the, the past ten years? Then, what are you feeling now, looking back on a full decade of this? I remember thinking when we survived year one, and I mean that in the exactest of definitions. <laughs> if we ever make it to ten, if we ever make it to like five, I will be so proud. Mm. Just that the the, the event existed because it was built by fans for fans because not all of us can travel to other cities to enjoy so we wanted to build one here and I thought if this ever takes off and becomes something I will just be real happy with that but 
over the last 10 years, it's become something so much bigger and broader than that. And like the stories that come out of this and the personal connections and like the really warm and fuzzy stuff. I feel like I know at least four people who have met their significant others, gotten married because of Halcon. I like think it, we're it really responsible is. for maybe for some babies, some, of course, some yeah. engagements. We'll get to baby races, Fat Apollo. <laughs> <laughs> but like people meet friends, they meet new family, they make relationships yeah. in, in every sense of it. And we never designed the event to be that. We literally just wanted a place that was safe for people to like be nerds and geeks together. And it's mm. become something bigger. And that, uh, that will never stop making me tear up. Hmm. Well, I, I, you know, as I said, uh, talking with ALB earlier, um, I, you know, after that first year, anyone that I met who I thought might make a good guest or is, you know, doing the convention circuit, I would tell them, like, you got to go do Halcon. You got to go do Halcon. So I want to know, has anyone ever, like, said, I'm here because AJ told me to be here? Not yet. Darn. Okay. I'll keep, (laughs) I'll keep at that, uh, moving forward. Um, Now, you have actually been to other a lot of other conventions. Yeah. I'm sure we connected at, at Fan Expo one year. Yeah, I chased Teddy down and begged him to help me get the space crew guys to the first year show oh. in, in Calgary. Well, that was in Calgary. Yeah, yeah. I remember him telling me yeah. about that. Yeah, I saved up all of our money to make a run of like six shirts so we'd like kind of look legit. And then when I look back at those, I'm like, wow, I was wrong. <laughs> <laughs> They're um, so ugly. Well, what are your what are your Stories from that first year of Halcon, because I remember <laughs> interviewing you and Amanda in the hallway, and there were like really only three places we could do interviews, and it was like, well, there's light in this place, so <laughs> that's where we're gonna use the camera. You mean the hallway where we literally stopped the entire convention's traffic so we could do an interview? Actually, yeah, that was it, because there was really there were like two rooms that you could go into. Yeah, at we, the Lord Nelson, yeah. and we're like, so we're at max capacity. We're just gonna like stop moving so we can get our faces on Space Channel. Screw all of you. <laughs> 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 um, but then you, you've moved all, all over the place here in, in Halifax yeah, now. So we outgrew the Lord Nelson immediately uh, and we moved into the, the old World Trading Convention Center for two floors and then to three floors. And then we added the Sp- Scotiabank Center to that space. And then we've we were at Max for a, a number of years. So we're really happy to be in the new brand new spiffy Halifax Convention mm-hmm. Center. And don't get me wrong, if there was more of it, we'd still try to fill it. Yeah. Um, but we're in a really happy place with uh, counting all the the turnstile attendants, vendors, volunteers, et cetera, et cetera. We're just under um, 20,000 people coming over a full weekend. Wow. And that's a really happy number. Like from from like 1,200 tickets the first year to like 20,000 almost. It's pretty freaking awesome. It was 1,200 people at Lord Nelson. Yeah. We tested their capacity. <laughs> <laughs> we got a pattern doing that. We didn't mean to. Well, there was that. Like room where we did our panel and we introduced some footage from Tron Legacy, and I remember like the the energy and enthusiasm in that room for just watching. Like here's some behind the scenes footage that Disney sent along with us. It was so palpable that we were like, well, we better run the footage again, and we did a second time. But that room was like I think even smaller than this. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Room that we're in right here. Yeah. Um, but. You mentioned uh, the capacity there is, is 1,200. Mm-hmm. How many volunteers did you have that first year? Uh, there was a committee of six. <laughs> and 20 volunteers, and I think I recruited 18 of them from people at work. Wow. So 26 people ran the first event, and we're a little over 450 right now. 450 volunteers. And after 10 years, I turned it into a job with a paycheck, and that's pretty sweet. Yeah. Yes. Congratulations on that. 
I mean, there is no other job that I will ever get in my lifetime where I can walk into a room and get applause. So, <laughs> so you'll have to excuse me if I milk this for every sentence worth. <laughs> Well, speaking of milking things for every cent that they're worth, um, a lot of the other conventions uh, in Canada are currently owned by one or two different corporations. And the resounding sentiment that I've uh, had expressed to me from other people who go to conventions as part of their, you know, their business is like, uh, the quality of things is just awful. It's soul sucking. It's just about that, that bottom line. Whereas here it always feels to me like it's so much about a sense of community. Do you have concerns? I, I mean, I don't even know how to ask the question because I, is it your call if you sell Halcon? Is that a thing that could happen? These are things I want to know answers to, but I don't know the right questions to, to ask. Um, well, I have had two different phone calls from Informa over the years okay. and I'm always like, yeah, we're tiny. You're never going to make more than this many people in the building. We make like this much return our, on our time and we're run by volunteers. Don't even bother with the East Coast. How about you just play everywhere else and we'll just play here? And they're like, cool. So, so far, so good. Great. Um, it's really kind of even thrilling that they even poked around. Um, but, but yeah, well, their I, question was, can we make money? And, and we're like, not much. <laughs> we like it's it's so true that uh, like shoestring to describe year one is is not even. No, I was there. Not I, even I know, but it was still. <laughs> I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, we were still pretty fresh in our careers on TV, Teddy and I, and. Um, it was just so magical, not the like production value because who cares? It was just the energy and the love and the stories and, and yeah, meeting everyone and feeling like a part of a community. And it's, uh, even though we were, you know, two TV guys from Toronto who maybe didn't deserve that kind of reception at that point, but, uh, we're immediately ingratiated and, and, uh, felt, you know, so much love, which is why I keep coming back. Well, I appreciate that. I mean, it's partly a maritime thing. I mean, I was imported from Ontario, but I'm really glad to have stayed. And I think it's also partly like a nerdy community. Like many of us growing up had at least one instance or another where we were excluded for something because we weren't cool. Mm. So when we find a group of people that love us, even like a little bit, even with the strangers you really don't know, you meet in line, you hang on to that. And like, we just want to cultivate that and keep keep it growing. And I think once we figured out that was a secondary thing that Halcon offered, we just went all hog and, and wanted to really do that. So then you're not planning on selling to Informa. Um, They'd have to offer us a lot of money to really consider it. So, But they're not going to make that money back, so they're not going to make that offer. Yeah. <laughs> so where do you hope to see the con growing in another 10 years? Ah. Uh, is that, maybe don't think that far ahead. No, maybe just keep no. focusing on making this well, weekend I mean, a success. We have to decide on the dates for 2024 because they asked us to put them in the calendar. And we're like, yeah, we should do that. Um, so if you have feelings, we'll talk about them after. Uh, Get me out here in the summer. Yeah, no, we're, we're picking between like um, we're picking between uh, Halloween and just before Remembrance Day, like that kind of anyway. Right. Um, over the next 10 years, we, we've talked about some really big long term plans and the event itself probably can't grow unless we can find find another building nearby, which is going to be trickier. Not impossible because they are converting the old world trade. But I was going to um, say, I mean, it really is right around the corner. You could have multiple venues. So we call that SpiderCon. Uh, ah. And that's a scary thing to, uh, to plan as a uh, behind the scenes person. But 
the idea to grow to four days or to add like conference stuff leading up to it for professional industries. Mm. Um, there's well, a lot guys, of community building that we're looking at over the next couple of years. That's what I was going to say. Unlike all these other conventions that I'm aware of across Canada, the, the Halcon community exists far beyond this weekend. There's so many different things that you put together throughout the year. Yeah, we do a lot of little programs and we were lucky to get a grant from the cultures, community and heritage from the province. And that's really enabled us to do some fun stuff. Um, and it's little things. It's like a monthly drop in at the library so you can learn and craft and build in the company of others. But it's enabled people to make friends and, and, and meet, make new skills already. Mm. Um, but there's a bunch of other little things that we run and we've got like a a winter dance that we do and, and the, uh, the the Facebook group for how much you love it or hate it connects about 12,000 people and that's pretty cool. Mm. Well, I know that when you're at the head of something as big and as, as loved as Halcon, it can put you in a, a bit of a weird position sometimes. So let's bring up the topic of mistakes. Okay. Well, do you have any that you're, you're ready to talk about? Oh, yes, I am. Do you, okay. <laughs> Normally I offer, but I think you're ready to go. So. I've been waiting 10 years to tell the story. All right. <laughs> you guys what? are so lucky you don't even know. So what's the story? Okay, so how come you're one? How come you're one? Right? There's the six Lord of Nelson. us. Um, the way we've got the con divided now, there's about 50 different roles that each team member kind of spreads out and takes over. I had about 21 of those myself, so everyone's brain was liquid for like all of October trying to get this thing off the ground. None of us have ever, have ever run a show before. None of us are event planners. I was working in travel, so I kind of knew bits of, of things, but I didn't know what I was doing exactly. Nobody really knew what they were doing. So we planned our best. We had our volunteers. We had like all our programming organized. And we had all these actors coming in and we had contracts and we, la, 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 la. We forgot about the essential part of like the basics of um, money management. Now, I don't mean this in a scary way that, like, we lost our shirts and we were super broke or anything. I literally mean physical money management. So registration was largely run by cash because it was 2010. And we ended up with a lot of physical cash and we didn't really know what to do with it. I'm talking, like, 30K. So the Was way it all in a sleeping bag? Or... <laughs> <laughs> Like, what did you just keep the money in? I'm building to that. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm jumping to the end here. You shush. It's my turn now. Okay. Okay. So, <laughs> so the way Halcon was set up, we didn't really have a volunteer room because everything was multi-purpose because our venue was so small. Oh, I remember the volunteer room. That was what made it so awesome. So what you don't no, know. No, wait. That wasn't the volunteer room at the Lord Nelson. I'm picturing the one at the, the yeah. trade. Yeah. So we, we might have done a, like a little, uh, we had a book signing for an author in like this weird shared space. So it had, uh, what was it? We had like a little tiny boardroom. There was like a little tiny kitchen. There was a private washroom and a large kind of like living roomish kind of area. And then off to the side, there was a bedroom that you could lock and like have privacy. So it was like a super fancy suite, right? So they give us that for a deal. And we're like, okay, that's our volunteer headquarters slash whatever space. We didn't have a safe. We barely had cash boxes because literally we had um, done fundraising for every flipping penny for this. What we ended up doing, managing our $30,000 plus in cash, was I took a uh, pink post-it, wrote broken, stuck it on the microwave behind the bar. (laughs) And it worked. (laughs) If you've ever heard hiding in plain sight, that has never been truer. That's legit. That's legit. So our group of six, this intrepid 
six, no, two times trio, whatever that is. Right. The words don't make sense. A double trio. Yeah, a trio. That's a word. Okay, so our group of six had no idea what we were doing. Microwave had tons of cash. Sunday, midday, the sticky note had fallen off. And one <gasps> of the, so one of our lovely trusty volunteers, Diana, wants to go reheat her coffee. Oh. <laughs> Opens up the microwave, makes an inaudible, <laughs> closes the microwave, sees the broken sticky, reattaches it, comes to find me and says, so, hey, I'm a professional CPA. Uh, you need me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, hi, Diana, nice to meet you. Why do you say that? She's like, I found the microwave. I'm like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so at the end of the show, we put all that money in a Dollarama bag, <laughs> obeyed every possible traffic law as we drove exactly the speed limit to the bank and put that sucker in. <laughs> and I think we might have broken even. <laughs> Well, congratulations on that. <laughs> My chair wanted me to make it very specifically clear. We've come a long way since then. Yeah. We're good now. <laughs> there are, in fact, two safes in the building. Oh, good, good. <laughs> well, that's a fantastic story. I don't know. Uh, I mean, all my stories of money going wrong or just spending it on the wrong things. Um, but a convention story that I, I can tell, I, I thought maybe I'll, I'd share this with, with Fat Apollo because he knows what it's like to moderate with, uh, with celebrities. But I could tell you either my Richard Dreyfus story or my William Shatner story. Shatner! Shatner! All right. Dreyfus. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it probably would have been the first fan expo that um, I was working after getting the gig um, for space. And we were explained how moderating panels works, much like what you're seeing right here in front of you. You go into the room, you as the host sit down, or you you know stand up, introduce yourself to the audience and bring out your guest, shake hands, they sit down next to you, you ask a few questions, you turn it to the crowd. We'd already even done one or two of these, but then William Shatner was our big one that both Teddy and I were very excited to, uh, to introduce. And uh, we uh, were waiting around backstage, and Gary, uh, William Chandler's handler, arrived first and shook our hands and was like, okay, get out there and introduce him. And we're like, well, he isn't really here yet. Like, we can't really introduce him until he's he's here. And he's like, he's coming down the hallway. You should go introduce him, like, right now. But we were both very, like, we should at least shake his hand first, like, just say hi before he gets here. And sure enough, he just arrives, and it was like, oh, okay. Hi, Mr. Shatner. And then we are up on stage, a room you know, four, like eight times the size of what we're in, like thousands and thousands of people there watching us. And we, you know, everyone is our honor, our privilege. You know who it is. It's William Shatner. Crowd erupts. William Shatner takes the stage. We step back to let him do the, the thing of like, hello, everyone. And he grabs the microphone and just <clears throat> crowd calms down. And he starts talking. And Teddy and I are standing behind him. I'm like, okay, he's just going to tell like a short, like 30 second story or something. And then he'll come sit down and we'll, we'll interview him. But the, the story keeps going. And, you know, after a good 45 seconds, we're starting to look at each other like, um, uh, what do we do? Do we interrupt William Shatner? Do we leave the stage? Do we keep standing here? <laughs> a good like three minutes have gone by now. And it's just him talking to the crowd as we're standing behind him. We're still looking at each other, unsure was uh, we were supposed to moderate this. And then maybe like four or five minutes into it, William Shatner looks back at us and he's like, what are you still doing here? 
And we just, you know, shrugged and then walked off stage. And then towards the end of the panel, because he was clearly capable of doing it without us, Gary says, all right, you got to go rap him. And I was like, what do you mean? I got to go rap him. It's like, you got to go, like, tell him, tell him to get off the stage. I was like, you want me to go rap William Shatner? I don't know how to do that. <laughs> like, I understand the mechanical aspect of it, but how do you do that? But he's like, you got to go do it. So I crept back up onto stage. I don't know why I decided to like creep. And here I am gesturing on a podcast, but the audience here can see that I'm like sort of creeping up behind him. And I, to bore you for a second, Jen, I just went, uh, Mr. Shatner. And I was like this close to him. You got the rap. And then I just backed up off stage. But he froze when I got that close to him. He was just, <laughs> and then, uh, then I walked back off stage, and then he got his big applause and left the stage, and that was my first time moderating a panel with William Shatner. <laughs> they asked us to moderate his panel at Calgary Expo the next year. We made very sure to talk to him beforehand <laughs> and figure it all out, and it, it went much smoother with William Shatner there. But thank you so much for having me back to moderate. Give it up for Jen Lamb and Halcon. Big thank you again to Jen Lamb for joining me, and uh, a big update that I only discovered when I woke up on Saturday morning, Jen has announced that she is moving on from her role with Halcon. I must say, I'm a bit shook. Jen, if you're listening to this, I imagine you're fielding lots of questions from lots of people these past couple of days, so I really didn't want to bother you uh, for a follow-up comment or soundbite or whatever. Instead, I will just wish you the best of luck uh, on your future endeavors, and I thank you for creating an event that has brought more joy to my life and so many other people's lives than I can really find the right words for. While I'm certainly a little sad to know that you won't be as involved anymore, I am confident in the fantastic team of people who make Halcon possible and that they will no doubt grow into the massive shoes that you've left behind. So congrats once again on the legacy you have left behind. Quick correction from the episode, as Addy the Adipose's human friend Mike pointed out, uh, I did say William Chandler at one point in there. Perhaps you eagle-eared listeners caught it as well. So if you're listening, William Shitner, I am so sorry I mispronounced your name. I promise it won't happen again. I did have an idea for a fake commercial to include at the end of this episode for a new fandom convention called SPENCON! But it was a, a one-note joke about a convention where you could spend money to access all kinds of things like shorter lines at the bathroom. And the more I thought about it, it honestly was so close to reality, it didn't really feel like a proper parody. So I, I didn't do the commercial. Anyway, we'll have uh, plenty of laughs on our show next week as my guest is the one and only Michael McCluskey, who is also known as Fat Apollo. Here's a little sneak peek. It's okay, what's the deal with your hair? <laughs> That's a good question. Like, seriously. Like, seriously, when you were young, yeah. you had friggin' awesome hair. Like, remember you had the white... Well, are you talking about YTV days? Yes, yes. I'm talking about that blonde hairstyle you had. Yes. I had that friggin' poster in my room for, <laughs> for months. I don't remember this poster. And I'd look at this, and I would go, yeah, AJ, that's some hair. And now look at you. You're like a middle-aged idiot like me. <laughs> That was Fat Apollo, the second most highly famous person in the world, and when I first had the idea for Mistakes Were Made, I knew that he would be an amazing guest. So you'll just have to check back next Monday morning to find out if I was right or if I made a big mistake. 
Spoiler, I didn't. Uh, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a rating and tell your friends I'm still making all kinds of mistakes, and if you've noticed one or have an idea of how I can improve the podcast, I would genuinely love to hear it. So few people actually send me any notes. It's hard doing this in a bubble. Uh, I'm at AJ Fry on all of the things. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See you in the future.